a hand as he comes. Thanks, Nathan. Just marching the band off with a bit of Oliver. I actually forgot that uh, came from musical Oliver. Just wonder if there's anybody here in the room that was alive when Oliver was made. Who came out? Yes, there's a few. There's a few hands. <laughs> Barry was Oliver. Not not the original production. No, not not quite that old. 1983. Uh, I wasn't even born in 1983. Who wasn't born in 1983? Cool. We've got, see, we've got a good spread of ages. <laughs> well, good morning and uh, welcome to week three of Reality Check. Uh, as uh, Vicky said, my name's Mason, I'm one of the team, and it's my honour and privilege to be sharing uh, in this five-week series uh, at the moment. And what we're doing in this five weeks is we're looking at the book of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. And in five key areas, uh, the Corinthians had come up with some crazy ideas about how to live and how to do this uh, walk and following Jesus and created their own reality about how to live in their city culture and uh, how they were following Jesus and uh, trying to mix these two together. And it was a bit of a problem. There were five problems and Paul addresses these five problems and it fits nicely into our five weeks. Uh, He addresses the problems and directs them to look at the problems through the lens of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. They needed to check their reality and make sure they were acting and behaving in a way that reflects the change Jesus made in their world. And hence the reality check for the Aries. Last week, firstly, thank you for coming back after last week, for those that were here. Last week we talked about sex. Uh, there were problems uh, here with the Corinthians' attitudes and behaviours towards sex. And you could sum it up in a couple of uh, phrases. The culture of their time was influencing their behaviour rather than their behaviour influencing their culture. And we concluded that sex within marriage creates a oneness that is just a taste of the oneness we will have with Jesus and the intimacy and relationship and perfection. And while marriage is not uh, complete and perfect because there's humans involved, uh, Jesus is. And when we have relationships with Jesus, we have perfect relationship. And I must say, as a preacher and someone sharing, it was greatly encouraging to hear feedback from last week. So thank you for that. Uh, it did range from, I've never heard the word sex mentioned so much in my life, either in church or out of church, <laughs> through to uh, singles and married uh, just sharing they were encouraged by uh, some of the examples and stories uh, shared. Uh, and uh, the one uh, that did come up was a bit funny. If you remember, talked about uh, what salt is made of as sodium and chloride and, uh, and water is made of hydrogen and oxygen. And it didn't quite click when I was uh, preparing the analogy that with water, you have two hydrogens and one oxygen. So it's a little bit confusing, but so, sodium is just one sodium, one chloride, and you get salt. So that one was okay. But as a preacher, it's a great challenge when you're working through a book like 1 Corinthians, and you, you've, you've kind of said six months out, yes, sir, I'm going to talk on that book, and there's 
uh, a number of chapters uh, and it breaks up into five series and there's three whole chapters on sex and marriage. It's not very hard to kind of like just skip over it and pretend it wasn't there in the first place. So uh, thank you for your encouragement and your support and uh, yeah, I did hear some, some great feedback and people uh, mulling over and, and dinner parties and connect groups this week talking about that or some associated themes from that. And today we get to talk about food, hence uh, food glorious food at the start, just for a little bit of a light-hearted start. But it's about food, but it's not really, and that will uh, all be made clear a little bit later, you'll see soon. Today we're covering chapters 8 to 10 of 1 Corinthians, uh, which you, you might have read up to this point, I encourage you to uh, go and have a read after today, during the week which at first might not seem closely connected in their individual chapters and themes, but there's a really great theme through them, and I'm believing that it's going to be a challenge and an encouragement to us today, and it starts and ends with food, which sounds like a good evening out in my books, starting and ending with food. Cool. I'm just going to pray before we go any further. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your word, and what you're teaching us as a community through the book of 1 Corinthians. Thank you. We are open to hear and to receive, and your Holy Spirit would teach us and guide us and encourage us this morning. Amen. So we're talking about food and the problems and solutions through uh, 1 Corinthians uh, more broadly. So the problem here relating to food uh, was that there was an issue in the Corinthians which was a question of whether believers should purchase and consume meat that was previously sacrificed to idols. Now that might sound a bit funny and not something we are particularly used to maybe in a Western culture, but there is a, yeah, there's a number of cultures that would do that and they're within Australia, even if you go to the supermarket, and a lot of the meat you would buy is killed in a certain way, so for certain religions. There was a division forming in the church around their knowledge of what was okay to eat and what was not okay to eat. As was the custom, there were many meats that were sacrificed to other gods or idols, with this meat being sold on in markets. As we learned in the last uh, couple of weeks, one, uh, Corinth, as a port city, as a trade city, uh, had many religions and temples and, and uh, there were issues and that's where some of the sex issues came from because there were temples to other gods where Christians were going to worship and uh, sleep around. So there are a number of other religions and, and gods and idols here and people following these religions would go sacrifice the meat to that uh, idol, to that, to that god with a small g and then go and sell that in the markets afterwards. So there were those in the church with knowledge or revelation who understood that there is no true other God other than the one God. So then any sacrifice to these gods or idols in their temples was nothing other than meat and only meat. Their conclusion, and rightly so, was if... The God who it's sacrificed to has no power, then nothing happens to the meat, and this was the knowledge they acted out of, freely buying and eating this meat sold in the markets. But, this is where the problem comes in, 
Not everyone had this knowledge, as we'll see in verse 7 of chapter 8. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god, and since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. Paul is saying there are others on the other end of the scale who are so used to their culture and upbringing or might be young in their faith and their belief who believe these idols have power and don't know any different. They haven't had the time or the awareness or the, the learning and the, the life experience to know where they have come from and their culture and just to have some godly wisdom and insight come in and correct some of these things. Because of their mixed belief, their conscience is weak. And so if they eat the meat they believe to be defiled, they in turn will become defiled themselves because of their belief and their conscience. Which is a very big topic. And it's a, it's a, you could talk about conscience for a number of weeks, but we're just trying to summarise it here this morning. So there are two ends to the spectrum. Has anyone noticed the theme in the last three weeks? Throughout Corinth, there's, an, uh, there's two ends to the, the spectrum of behaviour. There's, there's in almost every issue, there's an extreme kind of liberal or an extreme conservative view, and Paul is addressing these issues. This is where the division comes in with the, the spread of views. In verse 1, Paul says that knowledge puffs up, referring to those that were eating all meat. They had become proud in their knowledge and freedoms and were puffed up in their demeanour. They were walking around carrying themselves as ones with more esteemed knowledge and more learned and more educated. And so we're looking down on those who didn't have that knowledge. And as we read in verse 1, Now about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. Here again, like last week, Paul is quoting the Corinthians. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. Sounds a bit like a riddle. We'll explain it in a moment. So from verse 2, he's saying we can learn that the Corinthian believers assumed that knowledge was the true sign of spirituality. Because they lived in this world of philosophers and religions and great orators and speakers, this had become in from their culture that knowledge indicated spirituality. They did not understand that knowledge without love actually indicates a lack of knowledge. Knowledge without love actually indicates a lack of knowledge. So there was a problem here in the Corinthians' use of knowledge and the displaying of love showing through how they treated food and people's opinions of that food. So the story isn't really about meat. It's not really about food. It's really about rights and love. And that's where today's title comes from, Right to Love. So the solution. Paul encourages the Corinthians to act out of love for their fellow believers rather than out of their allegedly superior knowledge. In chapter 10, jumping ahead a couple of chapters, verse 23, we see an, an almost repeat of what happens at the start of chapter 8. I have the right to do anything. See, he's quoting again what we saw last week around uh, quotes in terms of behaviour around sex. I have the right to do anything. 
You say, it's not Paul saying, it's quoting what the Corinthians are standing on. Then Paul says, but not everything is beneficial, exactly the same as last week. I have the right to do anything, quoting again, and Paul says, but not everything is constructive. This is a bit different to last week. Not everything is constructive. So it's in almost the exact language used last week when referring to sex, but where sex is firstly about not sinning against your own body, or my own body, this issue is about not sinning against or causing others to sin. So not everything is constructive for the community and for others. Verse 24, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. It's a challenging verse. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Verse 27, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. And it goes on from there. So what's this all about? Again, just to make it clear, this is not about meat. It's not about food. It's about love. It's about my love for the other person being greater than my rights. Or my love for the other person being greater than my being right. We are in a world that loves rights. Who knows that? There's rights everywhere. Some are good, human rights. But some people just use them for nothing other than their personal gain. In the, I commute on the bus to work in the city. I have done for a few years now. Is there anyone else who catches a bus? or Probably not too, too many people catching the train from this side of town, but you might catch a train as well if you live in other directions. And there's this... Uh, there has been this guy, he's no longer on the bus, uh, but would occasionally catch the bus, 50s, well-dressed, sit at the back of the bus in the back row, or the, the second back row, with a gaming console, like a, a Nintendo or a PSP. Or, and I, I don't know what the game was he was playing, but he would sit at the back of the bus playing this console without any headphones, with the speaker turned right up. So all you're hearing are all sorts of you know, explosions and kind of computer noises and sound effects as he's playing this game on the bus. He only, this probably happened about half a dozen times over a few months, but it's so unusual that it stood out. It wasn't like a young, young guy, it wasn't, um, yeah, it just didn't necessarily fit a stereotype of what you might think a mobile gamer would be. And then there's this one afternoon, the thought had crossed my mind of saying something. Uh, there's this one afternoon where it was particularly loud and particularly annoying, and somebody on the other side of the bus, the other side of the aisle, luckily said something. And he turned around and said, mate, do you mind? And the guy just snapped straight back and said, I'm within my rights, I'm allowed to do this. I'm on the bus, you have no other right. And just, he was, he was right, but he was being a complete moron about it. 
just because you are right, you might have rights, how you choose to live them out and how you choose to show love to others doesn't mean necessarily you're using your rights in the correct way. Coming from living a rights-filled life to then looking at life through the lens and example of Jesus' life, we sometimes get a bit of a reality check. Our reality might be living out the knowledge we have, but in this life, we might need a reality check so we get to know it's about loving others and laying down my rights. It's about what we eat and drink, but it's more than that. It's about what we do, it's about how we act, it's about what we say, and it's about how we love people. Paul is saying to the Corinthians and to us, we need to move from acting out our rights to acting in love. Because everyone, everyone has a right to love. A right to the love of Jesus freely available to all. And that is displayed through us. Throughout chapter 9, and here's a connection, we've mainly just talked about chapter 8 and 10 so far, we see how Paul lays down his rights. In Corinth, it was tradition and expected that because of all the religions and the beliefs, the philosophers would come in and orators and they would speak and they would be paid for their time for their contribution to the thought and the, the culture of the city. And Paul is addressing this and he says, well, as a speaker, as an apostle in the church, I am well within my rights to earn an income for what I do. It's in your city, it's in your culture, it's normal, it's not unusual to ask for that. But it's so ingrained in their culture, it, it, Paul refers to it as being an obligation. He would turn up, they would pay him, he would speak. It would be an obligation, he would do it, and there would actually be technically nothing wrong with that. But Paul says, for the sake of the gospel, I refuse to be paid. Now this isn't about church ministers not being paid, this was a reflection and Paul trying to counter the culture of their city, making a statement they were so expecting to pay him that it was highly unusual for him to refuse that. And why? So he may be able to save some. Chapter 9, verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law so as to win those under the law. Verse 21, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. Not all, some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I must share in its blessings. Paul is saying he is free and as such he will use his freedom to lay down his rights for the sake of the gospel because he wants to enable people he comes across to know Jesus and his love. He didn't want those that wouldn't have had access to him not having the gospel. He chose to work as a tent maker. 
because that was the complete opposite of what they might expect. He chose and laid down his rights. It wasn't put upon him to be a tent maker. It was his decision to go against the culture he was in to make a statement. And he does this without actually putting his faith or salvation at risk. You saw, as we read through, there's some parts and brackets where he's saying, I became under the law, though I myself am not under the law, because he aims to win as many as possible by acting appropriately for their context. In the meat example, Paul could have just come out and directly told those with the weaker conscience who believe that meat sacrifice to idols is not okay to eat, that it indeed was, and they should just get over it and start and move on with their lives. Who knows, that would be a bit of a challenge when people have beliefs around food and you just say, get over it, just, like, this is what you do. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. He does say it is okay to eat that meat, but he does not directly say they are the ones who should change. What he actually says, it's not the one with the lower knowledge and awareness who needs to change. The onus is on the one with the higher knowledge to lay down their rights and meet the others where they are at. It's not the one with the lower knowledge and awareness who needs to change. The onus is on the one with the higher knowledge to lay down their rights and meet the others where they are at. Why? Because of love. This is something I've had to walk through personally. I grew up in a Christian home and I was an immature Christian uh, and some might say I'm still a little bit immature. But as, as I have spent time in church and in faith and studying the word and hanging around the church community, my conscience and my behaviours have changed. When I was younger and less formed in, in my opinions and conscience on some issues, I would look at those behaving differently and go, mm-hmm, oh, maybe I'm a bit holier. No, no one else has done that, right? No, no, no. Look, looking at the others, behaving with freedom. But then as time has gone on, my behaviours have changed. For example, growing up in my teens and uh, into my early 20s, I never drank alcohol. That partly stemmed from the fact that my dad doesn't because of his alcoholic father, and that's a decision, and it just wasn't a big part of our household. But it was also that I saw the behaviour in others who drank alcohol every weekend and uh, life wasn't going so well for them. So it just didn't seem to match up. Uh, and, but then in my 20s, my uh, conscience and my, my faith and my understanding of things changed and I decided that it was something I would start doing for the sake of uh, participating and not being excluded in certain uh, social circumstances because, and that's not an easy thing to go from nothing to all of a sudden drinking or eating something you've never had before in your life, but it takes time and now I appreciate a nice wine, both red and white, and I, I like cider more than beer, and I, I think that's because I didn't grow up drinking beer, and uh, I'm sorry if it's my Kiwi accent because Carmen keeps hassling me when I say teddy bear and drink a bear and uh, I'm running bear. It all sounds the same, so I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, we, we say them all the same, uh, all the same way. But the, the one in the can or the bottle, not, not the one you hug, although maybe. <laughs> so I've had to walk through this. My conscience has changed. 
and my behaviours have mostly matured, except when I'm on stage sometimes. I believe I have a pretty well-grounded understanding of how the freedom that Christ gives me lets me live out my life. But I need to make sure that I don't become proud of this and look differently at those with a different understanding. This might mean acting differently in different circumstances and with different groups of people while still being true to myself in my relationship with Jesus. So what does this look like? We've got this kind of theory, the concept. Here's a few examples. Number one, don't be the moron on the bus. Get that out of the way. And there's still other people on the bus. There's this one particular lady who likes to just, like every second time she's on the bus, she's talking on the phone just the whole, whole trip, half an hour in and out. And on Friday, she was playing music, I don't know, watching YouTube video music on speakerphone. This uh, is And it's like, come on, come on, people. That's what headphones are for. Well, in regards to food, we started talking about food. Now, I, I love meat but I don't have to eat it. If, if our, in regards to food and other behaviours, if we're at a point where we insist we have to do that behaviour around people that don't do that behaviour just to be right, then we've got a problem. If we can't give up these things for the sake of relationship and love, then that's a problem. In my family, we were in the Gold Coast a couple of months back for my mum's 60th, and my brother and his girlfriend don't eat certain types of food and so might prefer a, a certain type of restaurant, a certain type of menu. We discovered one in the in-flight magazine on the way in that I was right up their alley, and we made them known that we were making an effort and that this, this option was available and we'd love to check it out with them. Uh, and then there's, on the night in question, we all went out for dinner, uh, that place wasn't uh, available or suitable at the time. We, went down the road and found another place that looked great and we made a point of checking out the menu before we went in and said is this place okay for you because we're not just going to assume and make you just have the one item on the menu that might be possibly suited for you we want to make sure you're comfortable and have the choice have the freedom to decide now I'm sure there's most of us in here would do the same thing we're generally aware of those in our friendship groups or our family who have uh, dietary needs or dietary choices that are different to what we might have. And if we were to have someone new over for dinner, we would ask what they do and don't eat so we can accommodate and we're not just going to cook what we have and then give them something different as a little side dish. In regards to alcohol, as I mentioned, I didn't start drinking until my early 20s. Now, I don't need to have a drink to be fun and, and have a good time. I probably like soft drink a little bit too much uh, as a result, but if I'm around someone with known alcohol issues, I won't touch the drink if I, if I know. And I would, or would at least ask before drinking, and, and sometimes people are okay if you just communicate and show that respect. And there are certain other beliefs that don't drink alcohol. So in that case, again, what this looks like is just checking and making sure that the, either they're okay with it or just meeting them where they're at and even not needing to ask, but just having what they're having. In regards to conversation, what this love looks like is not needing to be right 
all the time and win debates and arguments. Uh, Proverbs says he who wins souls is wise and it's not about um, winning arguments, it's about winning people. Now I'm generally fairly quiet in debates on social issues, particularly outside of my closer group of friends where there might be the freedom and a robustness of uh, kind of historical conversation. Because I resolved a long time ago that I value the relationship over being right. And that no matter what I say, there's all, generally there's someone who likes to win in that conversation. It's important for me to have a seat at the table rather than be sitting outside the room. So I have people in work and um, a professional life that have very different beliefs in a lot of different areas and sometimes it's abundantly clear what their beliefs are. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know my beliefs at work because I don't bring them up or make a point of bringing them up because I'm more interested in establishing trust and relationship with these people and then in time, comments come out and say, yeah, I've never heard you swear before in other, other areas. That's just one very small one. It might be around the entertainment choices. Now with conscience and maturity and faith, when we're new and in our relationship with Jesus, we might restrict some behaviours because all of a sudden our eyes are open and, well, like, that's, that's not holy and that, that... But as we mature, sometimes some things are more acceptable. Uh, I... I guess could pr proudly say or freely admit that I once went to a Ricky Martin concert and a Robbie Williams concert within a couple of years and I didn't happen to win the tickets to the Ricky Martin concert by knowing that the, the five songs and the five second grab on the radio station and being able to uh, call up and be the ninth caller through and uh, do that. No, no. But sometimes there might be movies or music that uh, are fine for us because of our maturity but there might be others around that just aren't quite at the same stage. So we just need to be aware of, of these things around others. These are just some practical examples. They're all about living so as to win people. Motivated out of love, not out of our rights. George, I ask you to come up, thanks. Through chapter 9, we saw how Paul laid down his rights to save some. His reality was so much that he daily gave up his rights to win as many as he could. Chapter 10, verse 31. This is where it comes to. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Why would we choose to lay down our rights? Well, it's a reality check in our world that helps us win people, grow the community around us, and so we can live our best life modelled after Jesus and live in community and not isolation passage I just mentioned continues on into the first verse of the following chapter. Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Let's ask everybody to stand please.
just close our eyes and let's wait on, wait on Jesus. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And you know who laid down their rights? Paul gave us an example, but Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Jesus. Jesus laid down his rights for humanity. He was without sin. He was falsely accused. He could have spoken up at his trial, but he chose not to. Why? To go to the cross. To give us a right to love. We have a free right to love. We only need to accept it. That's all. And ask Jesus to wash us clean. Ask him to guide and teach us in how we do this life well. Now, I'm not sure what brought you to church today. Maybe you come often. Maybe you saw something on Facebook or you came with a friend. You thought you'd come along. Life might be a struggle for you or it might be okay. Maybe there are those around you that are living out their rights in such a way that your life is a struggle and they're making your life in other a living hell, to use the term. But the Bible tells us if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. In a moment, we'll pray a prayer confessing our need for Jesus. It's a private prayer between you and God and we're going to pray it together. I'm believing there might be people here praying it for the first time or who have prayed it before but need to make a recommitment. And it's time to do business with God this morning. We're going to pray this prayer together and then celebrate together. Afterwards, we'd love the opportunity to share this moment with you and share some next steps and help you understand the purpose of God for your life. Now, I don't know where you're at with God this morning, but He does. and He's watching and waiting. And Jesus laid down His rights so we could access eternal life and relationship with Him. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Just going to take a moment before we pray that prayer. Just let him speak to you this morning. And then we're going to pray the prayer together. Line by line. For the first time, or maybe a recommitment, but we can get everybody to pray this after me. Jesus, I need you. I'm humbly calling out to you. I'm tired of doing things my way. Help me to start doing things your way. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Fill the emptiness in me. 
with your Holy Spirit and make me whole. Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to understand your grace, mercy, and peace. Amen. Now, there's probably people here that have prayed that for the first or last time. So can we just give everyone a round of applause that's made that decision this morning? And as we finish, let's just close our eyes one more time and just have our hands out just to receive from him. Why does Paul challenge the Corinthians and us to lay down our rights? So they can form a community with actions based on love. It's an opportunity now for Jesus just to speak to us about how we do our our life day to day and where we might need to lay down our rights for the sake of love. Let's just take a moment just to let him speak to you. Might bring to mind examples or relationships or situations. Might be things we need to change. Maybe we need to repent and change our behaviour in that circumstance. And as I was working through the passage and the message, it was speaking to me about how I talk about food and social circumstances. Just to show love more than my rights or my knowledge, my freedoms. Thank you, Jesus. You're speaking to us this morning. Thank you, you gave us the ultimate example laying down your rights for the sake of our lives where we've made mistakes or where we need guidance in these areas we ask your forgiveness and your your leadership your Holy Spirit to be with us to show us the way give us eyes to see people on the other end of the relationships with your eyes your reality show us how you love them how you see them. Take us outside of our circumstances just to see them as people that you value, that you died for. Give us the strength to lay down our rights even when we are right and correct and someone else will get a win. Give us the strength and the wisdom to lay that down so as to win some.